2: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined as always by EJ Snyder. EJ, Bears sit at three and three, middle of the pack, and they've got oh crap! They've got the Bucks, the five and one Bucks. They go down to Tampa Bay. Uh, <laughs> gonna be a tough one. But how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Uh, we get to
1: talk football. It's fall. It's the. It feels to me like the first week of the season where things are. Changing a little bit, kind of league-wide, like the league is starting to settle into tiers. There's the the teams you're pretty sure are going to be there at the end. The wide middle of teams that have up and down performances, but very well could be there. uh, Or fall off, depending on what happens. And then there's, you know, three or four dedicated teams at the bottom that you're pretty sure are going to be fighting for those top four or five draft picks. Um, So it's... A little bit different Bye weeks are starting to come in, and yeah, it feels like the Bears have a, a little bit of momentum, but also feels like they lost a little bit last week, and now they run
2: into Tom and in Tampa Bay, so going to be a pretty stiff test. Absolutely. We've got a really good guest that we're going to come up afterwards. We're actually kind of flipping the show. Uh, Trevor Sycamore is going to be joining us after the break, but EJ and I are going to start off here with a couple of beers, of course, and then we're going to get into a little preview. So what did you bring on tonight? uh oh it's almost halloween so i had to figure out
1: who i was gonna go as and i decided for halloween i'm gonna go as jb
2: (laughs) oh no (laughs)
1: oh yes so lucky envelope brewing this is not only a new beer for me it's a new brewery as well uh excellent peanut butter cream stout i love it sounds delicious six percent by volume uh it's a 16 ounce can we'll have some fun with that uh this is um culturally inspired brewed in seattle not familiar with lucky envelope a newer brewer for sure so i get to try like i said both a new brewer and a new beer uh and get to try out my halloween costume early so uh what do you have (laughs) Lucky envelope, like the like the like Chinese New Year envelope. Kind uh, of it yeah. looks that way in print. The the actual uh, typography, the way they did the L and the E, very much looks like mm-hmm. it could be. Okay. So um, no, they've got their uh, they've got their story on the side, which I'm excited to read because uh, that's part of it for me is is who created this beer sure. and why. Um, but what do you have? All
2: right, I've got a little bit of a curveball tonight. Uh, mm. This is a non-alcoholic beer. Oh yeah! What happened here is um, Athletic Brewing Company. I'll show the can to the YouTube crowd here. Athletic Brewing Company. I reached out to them. I saw they were advertising on Twitter a little bit, and I was kind of intrigued. I'm trying intrigued by uh, a good quality craft non alcoholic beer. I will say that it's not something that I have a lot of experience with non alcoholic beers, but every once in a while, uh, I'm up late or I'm hanging out with friends, and you know, you know this from experience, EJ. I have (laughs) kind of a limit that I keep myself to. I, I, I don't drink more than two drinks in any kind of uh, social setting um, and, or at all. Um, generally, I'm just one at home or two in a social setting. And uh, sometimes it might be nice to have something like that or the, as they're marketing this to, uh, the athletic, uh, you know, go for a run, but you still want a beer, uh, but you don't want the alcohol. I've been in that situation many times. And so I'm, ver- I'm really intrigued. Um, they were kind enough uh, they're really great to to interact with and they really kind enough to send me a case i opened it cool. up there were four different six packs one of them was an ipa and i walked it over to my neighbor's house cuz i knew that he's an na guy <laughs> and knocked on the door it happened to be his birthday total coincidence and so he thought i was bringing him a six pack for his birthday yeah and yeah i am i totally yeah, remember. Oh, yeah totally um <laughs> and so he he looked at the the six pack he's like oh that's the good stuff and so I was like, "Oh wow, heck of an endorsement!" So, so the IPA went to the neighbor. Um, what I brought on tonight is the Upside Dawn. Uh, it is their golden ale. So cool. Uh, we will we will try that out. So I'm I'm excited. I think it's interesting. People that might listen to the show, maybe not into beer or uh, have occasion to to want an NA or have it in their house, uh, might be a good option for them. So let's open them. Yeah, let's go for it. So two interesting beers tonight. I'm excited. <laughs> Well, I, I can't wait to see the costume. Uh this
1: this is my costume. What oh, this is, costume. Okay. this is the costume. Okay. basically right?
2: like na- wearing navy and orange and, and drinking uh and drinking uh, things that I a could certain eat in a certain type of beer. That's right. Got it. Okay, well that's fair. Well, it smells like a beer, that's for sure. Well, that's good.
1: Oh, wow. Wow, this tastes like a beer. It has nothing to do with peanut butter, which is really kind of awesome. Um, I like creams anyways, but uh that's always my thing with beers with a lot of sort of odd ingredients or sweet ingredients listed is are are you still going to have that beer experience or are you just gives it like syrup? And this uh this is delightful so far. So I'm I'm really excited now.
2: Well, it's the same thing here, right? You, you are you still getting the beer experience? Right. Definitely has the smell, definitely has the the taste of a beer. So, uh very interesting. We'll see how it drinks down to the rest of the show, but If you want to buy us a beer, once again, just to talk about our Patreon, check out patreon.com. Type in Bears Over Beers. We'll have links in the the show and everything. But we're getting that started. We're getting our first uh, happy hour set up with with some of our patrons. Really excited about that. Uh, Just a a nice way to support us and the show for us to be able to do more things, be able to get out merch and things like that. Uh, If you're interested, that would be really cool. Go ahead and and seek that out if that's something you're interested in. Uh, But let's get into the preview. So. This is this is a tall order. This is a tall task. Uh the Bucks, you know, they, there's no sleeping on their championship here. Like they are absolutely looking like a, a team that can go back and defend their title. Tom Brady looks as good as as anybody, but um what what do we think that the Bears need to do to have a chance to pull an upset in this one?
1: starts for me with the offensive line and that's no stranger to you you know that if there's not that foundation there especially for this team but especially against this team the bucks they have an incredibly talented defensive line and if the offensive line doesn't hold up both in the run game and in pass protection if they're not open if they're not able to open a few holes um especially in their outside zone game because i don't think they're gonna have a lot of uh luck, let's say, against the interior of the Bucks' defensive line. But they've got to hold up in pass pro, too. Uh, look, Justin Fields can't be seeing pass rushers in his face at 1.9 seconds. That No offense is going to function really well if that's the case. And it's going to be a tall order. They've got good ends. They've got great defensive tackles. And they can bring pressure with four pretty regularly. So the Bears starting five on the offensive line have to hold up. And they're going to have to play a decent two way game. Are they going to have breakdowns? Yes. Are they probably going to give up a few sacks? Yes. I'm cool with, you know, two to three sacks. Like that would be in my mind, a win against this very talented defensive line. Um, But if they don't get it going, the bears aren't going anywhere. Like this is, this one's going to be over before it starts.
2: Yeah, did you see that clip of uh, Vita Vey in the background? I think uh, Leonard Fournette was given the interview after the Thursday night game, and Vita Vay <laughs> was like, of try- you. trying to take off his jersey, and he just yeah. couldn't. And, uh, yeah, I, I made a joke on Twitter that was that was me uh, trying on all the dress clothes that shrunk in my closet over COVID. But yeah, it is a it is a very talented uh, defensive line, and 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 really, there's there's some talent on the defensive uh, secondary as well. But they've been shifting. There's been some injuries. They signed Richard Sherman. So, like, what have you seen from the defensive secondary that you know Justin Fields is going to have to overcome here if he's going to have any success in the air?
1: Well, unfortunately, one of the things they're good at is being physical on the outside versus the run. And that's where the Bears have been having success over the last few weeks, especially with the insert of Khalil Herbert. That's some of his best running is that outside zone. And if you can have your wide receiver overwhelm the opposing corner, you can get the edge and get some yards and outside zone. Because again, we said they're most likely not going to be running between the tackles very well or very often. Problem is bucks are physical on the outside. They have had some injuries. Antoine Winfield has been in concussion protocol for weeks now. Um, He was back at practice today so that's maybe good news. He might be back on the field, but you never know with head injuries. And the corner situation has been depleted, but um, they've got guys like Ross Cockrell who are pretty underrated. He's playing safety for them and, and slot. Uh, he's a physical guy. So they match up pretty well. The Bears receivers haven't been separating super well. So it's not a, a huge test for them. It's not as if, you know, Dallas' wide receiver core is coming to town or, um, uh, some wide receiver core that has like really leveraged their talent and been super successful. So they match up pretty well. It's about whether or not they can stay on the field. Richard Sherman, uh, you know, pushed a little bit too hard too soon. He's out for probably a few weeks with a soft tissue injury and Winfield junior status eh, up in the air. Um, But the folks they've had on the field have not played poorly. So it's, it's not one of those situations where you're, you know, rolling in and the entire defensive backfield's leveled, and you know, your quarterback and your offensive coordinator are kind of salivating, going, Oh man, look at look at what we've got here. Um, it's still going to be a tough test for them in the secondary. And and look, their linebackers aren't chop liver either. They have two really good linebackers. So there's talent at each playmaking talent at each level of this defense. Um, and that makes it so that I don't want to say any level can sort of take a game off, but if somebody doesn't play so well, the other two levels have been playing just fine, and they're going to add up to an above-average defensive performance almost every week.
2: Well, we've talked a lot about how this wide-receiving core is built for the Bears, and you know they, they were built for speed, right? Like they, they have all these fast guys, which generally means they're a little bit on the smaller side. They're not necessarily going to be the most physical blockers. I mean, you can think about the opposite end of – wide receivers and, get, and you don't have to be big to be a good blocker but you know it tends to be like a lot of these bigger guys um have an advantage when it comes to blocking in the run game and that's not really how chicago built this this wide receiving core and then just overall i mean Allen robinson's off to a really rough start for a guy that's as good as he is you know mooney has, has looked fine Uh, but again, their numbers are pretty similar at this point in the year. I mean, Mooney's probably got the better of them. I haven't looked in a while, but, and, and really the, the number three wide receiver is what is it, right? I mean, Goodwin looked like he took the early hand, but neither him nor, uh, Demir Bird have really done much of anything to distinguish themselves. So, you know, this is a, this is a wide receiving core that really needs to step up here. If, if Justin Fields is going to have any chance to try to keep pace with Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, we're going to need to see Allen Robinson sort of break out of his shell, which I never thought we'd end up saying. We're many times on record as being hardcore Allen Robinson stands, and and rightfully so. This year has not been a Rob's year. Um, he's just barely staggering along. It's gross. Three and a half catches a game, 39 yards. That's his average over the first six games. Only one TD. And it's not like he's been missed on a ton of opportunities wide open. Previous seasons, you'd see him streaking down the field. Trubisky wouldn't see him, and you'd be like, oh, he just left 25 yards on the table. That really hasn't been the case this year. There have been very few of those. There's a couple. There's a a well-noted one. In the last game that Justin Fields actually talked about as post game presser, but that has not been typical. It has not been Allen Robinson wide open, waving his hand and being missed. He just hasn't looked like himself, quite frankly. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if next year, kind of like Robert Quinn last year, we hear, oh, I was nursing a foot injury, so I didn't have the explosiveness whenever he signs elsewhere. Goodwin and Bird, as you mentioned, uh, I had high hopes for. They've done basically next to nothing last game started off with a completion to goodwin and i was like yes because i had actually talked about a deep slot shot to one of the fast guys whether or not they hit it um and they did it early like they didn't hit it but they drew dpi and i was like that yes this is exactly what we're talking about they didn't do it again for the rest of the game like goodwin had no more touches not really even he had a couple of targets like, it's been just so piecemeal. Mooney's been the de facto 1A and looking pretty good doing it. He's been open. He's made some tough catches, you know. But Alan Robinson, as we said, has had almost no targets, very little production. And three and four are just ghosts. Like, Jameer Bird hasn't done anything. And I went to look up Goodwin's stack because I thought, oh, he had a decent last game, like two catches last game. And he had, you know, three or four in the first game. And in between is just Death Valley. Nothing. And you know the tight ends have kind of been the same way. So you're like, how is this? How is this team even passing? Right? They're passing to the backs. I mean, they're not. <laughs> they're not. And that's right. the thing is they're just not passing to anybody. It's not that the volume distribution is goofy. There's just no volume. They're they're not throwing the ball super well, or or even a lot. So it's there's weapons there, but they haven't gotten a lot of separation. Haven't been really open. And they haven't really been a threat. So if I'm Tampa Bay, I don't really care who I am in the secondary. I'm kind of like, I'm not, I'm not super worried. We could put a couple of guys
2: or a guy and a half on Mooney, and we we'll be good. They think they're probably thinking well, we'll just mug them up front and and try to stop the run and make them beat you deep and feel comfortable that Brady can bring you back if if you do get beat deep because the Bears, I, I think Justin Fields can do that, but the but the Bears have not. They've not been an explosive offense at all, and yeah. you know they're giving up a ton of sacks. Obviously, Justin Fields is taking a lot of those sacks by some of his choices in in the pocket as well, and the the offensive line has not been very good. They're leading the league in sacks taken and uh, uh, defensive sacks. Like I mean, it's just you, you want to you like sacks. Watch a Bears game because the, 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 they're <laughs> going to have them. A bunch. um But mm. yeah, well let's. Let's flip it around to the other side because at least there's a little, <laughs> a little bit of positive when you get to talk about the Bears defensive line. I, I had a, a little stat out article out today and I went back and looked at just how good this this defense is, is in terms of historical uh, markers against uh, Bears great defenses of the past just relative to the sack statistic. And obviously in the 1980s, the Bears were great at into the quarterback so sacks started official stat 1982 and like the 80s are just awesome and and then there's just this big 90s where not a lot happened and even in those good defenses in the in the 2000s with their there wasn't actually a lot of you know huge sack numbers but when you when you look at the pace that Sean DeSai's defense is on it's actually really impressive and it looks like if they continue at this pace this 2021 unit could be the most sacks since 1987 for the Bears. So it goes back a long time and it will uh, eclipse the 2018 total, which was a really good year. So they're doing a lot of good things. Now, part of that success is that you have Khalil Mack and you have a resurgent uh, Robert Quinn, who's clearly over his his uh, injury issue. But you also have depth. You have a lot of guys coming in and contributing to this pass rush. So just if they're going to have <clears throat> if they're going to have a chance against Brady here, that's going to have to continue. And and Hicks is, is you know coming back from an injury, probably won't have Robert Quinn with COVID. Uh, so you're gonna have Travis Gibson having an opportunity. But this defensive line is the strength of this team and has to have. Again, a big showing if you're going to try to pull it upset.
1: Yeah, they've been having a ton of success. It's unfortunate that Quinn probably won't play. He's on the COVID list. Uh, that's, you know, the flip side is there's a nice opportunity for Travis Gibson to show his piece. Keem Hicks has been wrecking. Um, man, if you ever want to watch one man abuse another man, like watch <laughs> the guy. Across from Akeem Hicks, it's a long day. TJ Lang, who used to play for the Packers, posted on Twitter today. Yeah, sometimes I think you know uh, I could still play, and then I think about playing against Hicks all day, and I'm really glad I'm retired. And he just he just mashes people, and it that's a long day. Like that's what Owen Cruz posted about. it right like, man, going against Hicks is Hicks is a long day, and he will make it a long day. Um, then obviously Kulomak on the outside. Quinn's been doing his bit. We're hoping Gibson can continue the flash from a couple of weeks ago when he got extended time and looked really good, picked up a couple of sacks. Uh, Ball Nichols is there. Um, you know, we'll see if, uh, other members of the unit can control themselves, uh, and not get overexcited and get personal foul penalties, <laughs> um, this week, but there's a lot of depth there. There's a ton of production. Problem is, Tampa Bay's offensive line is a set of rough customers on their own. Ryan Jensen is yeah. one of the biggest bullies in the league at center, and he, he digs it. like That's his gig. He likes it. He's not going to let anybody mess with Tom. He's not going to let anybody mess with his line mates. In fact, he's probably going to chip into you and see if you're going to come back at him, Um, and he's going to try and beat you up. So those Ryan Jensen, Khalil Hicks reps, or sorry, Khalil Hicks. Ooh, wow. Can Hicks, you imagine? We can add a guy named Khalil Hicks. I know. Let's go. Yeah. What would he be? That's not either one of them. Anyways, they're both great, but no, Jensen and Hicks going at it. That's going to be, those are going to be some seismic reps. Like neither one of those guys is going to give up. They're both extremely talented right up at the top end of their positions. Um, I'm looking forward to going back and seeing how that sorts itself out. Um, and, you know, there's, there's vice versa, but um, they're going to have to play well. They're going to have to stay fresh. And it's not going to again, it's not going to be easy, right? It's not like, oh, well, there's those two guys on Tampa Bay that are both rookies. So we're going (laughs) to we're going to, you know, double team them with Hicks and Mac. And we're just going to overwhelm that side like they have talent all five spots and it's going to be a war. It's a this is strength against strength. And the Bears are going to have to win some of those. They can't just say, oh, well, they're really good players, so. You know, we didn't get anything done. That's kind of been the MO for the last couple of years under Chuck Pagano. I was like, well, they have a really good offensive line. So we didn't get any pressure. It's like, well, (laughs) there's a lot of teams that have pretty good offensive lines. You need to get pressure sometimes anyways. And I think Desai can do it. He's been very good with scheme. He's been very good with using other players. Safeties, uh, nickel corners coming in at really lateral angles and creating sort of lateral pressure on the line and slamming in little guys, slamming into the side of big guys and creating a gap that Khalil Mack can slip through. So some really creative schemes and angles from him. I think he's going to be able to generate some of those, but the defensive line is going to have to get home on Tom Brady and and that's not an easy thing to do. He has is great awareness in the pocket. He has great movement within the pocket, and this year. The craziest freaking thing, he has increased mobility. He made this joke two days after the Super Bowl. Well, everybody thought it was a joke. That's the funny thing. And they said, What are you gonna work on the offseason? And he said, You know, mobility like I'm gonna get faster. And everybody's like, ha, ha ha, you know, Tom Brady noted not fleet of foot quarterback after 20 whatever seasons is going to get fast. Well, he did, he doesn't look super slow anymore when he takes off, and that that to me is amazing, but that's a whole nother thing. So getting Tom Brady on the ground. Is not that easy. He's got five, you know, very able defenders, a very good tight end core, all of whom can block um, so they can keep people in and max if they want to. Um, it's going to be a long day for the Bears defensive line. But look, that's what you get paid for, guys, is to go against the best and still win. And they're going to have to do it.
2: They're going to have to do it because this, this team has really good pass catchers. And as we've discussed all along, you know, as good as Jalen Johnson has looked, that's one player in the secondary, and so you've got you've got Mike Evans, you've got Chris Godwin, you've got Antonio Brown. I mean, that, I mean that's I mean that's a heck of a trio right there uh, at wide receivers, yeah, right? I mean, you've good. got other players that, that that are talented as well that that get some snaps, but that's that's an impressive trio to try to combat with, and you have Jalen Johnson. And it's like, well, OK, who, 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 who do you put Jalen Johnson on or or which side do you put him on or whatever? Yeah. And then and then you've got to deal with with the rest of that. So, I, I mean, the thing about Brady is that I think you're right. There's no real dip in his game right now, like what you'd expect from anybody at the end of their career. But it almost seems like he's getting better at certain things. And it doesn't make any sense to me. Like nope. he's Benjamin buttoning this thing. And I don't really know how to, like, process it because we keep saying, like, well, Brady's going to be done. And so I don't know if it's just been scheme, if it's been um, just rejuvenation, this, like, I don't know, the humidity. Like, I don't know what's helping him so much, but he's been nuts. Like, half uh, basically, after the Bears game last year, they, are, they just started putting it together, and they've been crazy good but it it's not it's not just the surrounding cast that's how they're, they're really talented but it's him like he yep. has improved this is not late career manning where he's you know throwing the ball and nope. it's lollipopping you know and and like 10 seconds later the guy runs underneath it this is this is a, a, an absolutely elite level player he's leading the league in passing yards
1: it, now, it, it doesn't he... make any sense the balls that he drove down the field, especially seam balls, there were a bunch, and I mean like a bunch again from about mid season all the way through the Super Bowl. There were a bunch of Tom Brady throws, I would say eight to 10, that were like genuine kind of gasp, like, Holy shit! Like he drove that ball 20, 25 yards down the seam on a line in a window. He's You know, at that point, he's 42 years old. Everybody's like, oh, late season, plus 40, a lot of reps on that arm. It's going to die off the December arm, right? Baloney in December, he was ripping the ball and it was like, same thing. How is this possible? And then the one perceived weakness that this perfect psychopath might have (laughs) is that he can't run. Right. And he jokes two days after the Super Bowl, Oh, I'm going to get faster. But it's like, ah, ha, ha, Tom Brady, get faster. He comes out this year. He looks decent on scrambles to the edge. And that's never been a Brady feature ever, ever, ever. Right. And you're like, holy shit. He probably worked with a speed coach like six hours a day. And he did. He got faster. And that just to me, that's just a whole nother thing. And it's. You know, you can say what you want about the passing era, and that's true. Numbers are inflated, but somebody put that stat up uh, the other day. I think it was that, oh, was it? Uh, Somebody had just doubled Joe Montana's career production Mm -hmm. and now had 80,000 yards, and Joe Montana had 40,000 or whatever. And I was just like, Ouch! (laughs) it it just doesn't add up but brady it just doesn't look like he's falling off at all and he's willing to distribute the ball he is not a guy that locks on to a favorite or one tight end and you know he will favor gronk when he's in the game but he will favor you know very few players if you're open he'll take it and that's gonna be really dangerous for a Bears secondary that largely hasn't had to deal with that because of the pass rush. If the pass rush doesn't get home, we're going to see Brady carve this unit
2: like a Turkey. Like fully believe that. Well, we'll ask some of those questions to our guests here after the break. So stick with us and we're going to be right back with uh, Trevor. Sycamore. with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. Why don't you do the honors of introducing our great guest today? I would love to. Uh, We're super excited to have Trevor Sykema from
1: Pro Football Focus. He is a host, reporter, and podcaster. Lovely title there, Trev. Also covered the Buccaneers for years at Pewter Report. So hence his appearance on our preview show before the Bears play the Bucks this weekend. Trevor, how
0: are you doing and what are you drinking? Uh, fellas, I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. I'm very, very excited about this one. This is going to be fun to preview. Uh, I don't have a beer on me. My fridge is actually empty of beer. So we're going with a little Four Roses. We're going with a little bourbon. We're keeping the, uh, we're keeping the alliteration alive. So, uh, that's what, that's what we got in the the cup this evening.
2: Now, is that Four Roses, The just the straight Four Roses or is it single barrel? It's single barrel. I believe it
0: is a single barrel one. Excellent. That's what I, I got. That's what I got. So I'm uh, really I'm actually excited about this podcast because it gives me an excuse to get into the a little bit. I
2: I think that's one of the best value uh, values out there. It's a, it's it always is. excellent. It's it's a, it's a good it's a good bourbon.
0: I appreciate
2: it. Well, let's get into the bucks. So we were talking about this before the break when we were uh, trying to preview the Bears. We just couldn't help ourselves but talk about the amazing Tom Brady, who seems to. Pop- Is it possible that he's getting better uh, at age 44 or whatever he is? Has he shown any weaknesses in his games this year? Because it just seems like he's now entering a new peak to this
0: uh, unbelievable career that he's had. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, going into last season, um, I told everybody that I didn't think that the Bucs were going to be a Super Bowl team last year at the beginning of the year. I really didn't. And midway through the year, they were going through a lot of the struggles that I thought they were going to go through. You know, it was a COVID offseason. It was not a regular environment for a guy to come in and play with a new group of guys, no matter how talented. And I think that that, of course, really, really matters. You know, talent can win you a lot of regular season games, but it takes true chemistry. It takes a team to win a Super Bowl. And I just didn't think the Bucs were going to have enough time in that regard, especially with Brady Coming over and acclimating to a new team for the first time in his career, and so everybody looked at the roster on paper and they thought that they were this Super Bowl team, and and I just didn't think that that was the case. And you know, getting around to this year, they end up having that success. They have that chemistry. They win that Super Bowl, and it's hard to find a weakness. Like I thought that this was going to be the year in which they were going to be unstoppable. This was going to be the year in which they were going to win the Super Bowl, and it really does feel like. The only thing in the way of the Bucs repeating a Super Bowl champions feels like the Buccaneers. And, you know, Tom Brady, he said, I think this was either last year or a couple of years ago. I can't remember. You know, everybody's asking about retirement. Right. He's in his 40s and people ask him, hey, when are you going to hang it up? You're almost done with the game. And you know, Tom Brady's response to that was, why would I retire? I have all the answers to the test now with me being older as as long as my body can physically do what I ask it to do. I have all the answers i've seen all the coverages i've seen all the different types of simulated pressures and look pre-snap and post-snap i've seen everything i've seen so many hours of tape i know all of the answers to the test and we are seeing right now for an extremely rare moment of time in nfl history a player with as much wisdom and experience in the game as tom brady has at every single level of winning and yet his body is not broken down. He's the same passer he was at 44 that he was at 29. And it's stupid. It's it doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, when you ask about a weakness, it's 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 hard to find one because as long as this team is not mounting with penalties or or self-inflicted wounds, if you will, they're going to compete against every single team in the NFL. And there's a good chance that they could beat every single team in the NFL. So it's hard. It's hard to find a weakness, it really is, to Tom Brady's game because he's just seen it all before. Let me ask you a follow-up. I've been playing with this in my mind,
2: and I think you can cut Tom Brady's career in half somewhere, and he's a Hall of Famer both ways. Pretty easy, right? That's not very hard to make that argument because he's got seven Super Bowls, right? Is he starting a third Hall of Fame career with the Bucks? Like, I, I, I'm honestly having a hard time seeing how you can't make start to make a third Hall of Fame argument with him. It doesn't make any sense how that's possible, and maybe you don't because of all of the 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 yardage awards that you know uh, yardage that you would need to rack up to be able to be, put yourself in that position. But right. At some point, he's been around so long, you may be able to cut this thing into three and make legitimate Hall of Fame
0: cases for for him in each stage of his career. Yeah, you want to hear something that's absolutely ridiculous? We are, I believe it is now, single-digit passing touchdowns away from, from Tom Brady throwing as many touchdowns in his 40s that he did in his 20s. We are we are, we are single-digit touchdowns away from that stat being the case. And obviously, beginning of his career, he wins the three out of four Super Bowls. Okay, you're a Hall of Famer then. 30 years old, he's got the other Super Bowls. He's got the Randy Moss 50 touchdown season. Okay, you're a Hall of Famer then. We are now entering the point where he is in his 40s. He won a Super Bowl with a brand-new team. If he goes on to win another one with Tampa over the next year or two, we are almost at the point where you divide this guy's career into thirds and you are totally right. You could make a case for him to be a Hall of Famer, especially because of the win percentage, the big games that he played in, the big throws, everything is there for him. Now, of course, the volume of stats might not be there right. in course, depending on how long he plays. But, yeah, it's um, it, it it is scary to look at his career that way and it's just – one of the many ways you can dice up Tom Brady's career and and realize that there is no argument for right. who is the greatest football player of all time. It, right. it it is Tom Brady. Now, like I've been on record saying I think that Aaron Rodgers is the best thrower, the best passer I've ever seen in my life. But that doesn't make it the goat. I'm never, right. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna make the argument against Tom Brady, who's the greatest of all time, because yep. it's a career that will never be duplicated. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, when you look at it that way, it's the it's the Kobe argument, right? The Kobe first number, Kobe second number, right, they're both Hall right. of Famers, except now you're talking about a third number. And when you look at Brady's stats, it is that sort of some total volume and when you compare it to the near next best, that gap is massive it's not like oh well he was a little bit better than this guy he was a little bit better than this guy it's like no he doubled up number two over here he tripled number three so what do you really want to argue about i don't think anybody's arguing about that anymore um i'd hope not because what he's been able to do we were just talking about it before the break some of the seam balls he threw late in the year last year at 42 43 years old and he's driving the ball down the seam at 25 yards on a line into tight windows and everybody talks about ah quarterbacks in their 40s and typically they've been right like the December arm right it's gonna it's gonna come you're gonna lose velocity right Greer right. Peyton Manning late clear to this uh-uh none of that it went the other way it's like is he throwing it harder than right. he did with his last year with the Patriots I actually think he is so it's it's just an immeasurable kind of stat for anybody to chase. Uh, it'll be fun to see somebody try, but again, I'm with you. I don't think it'll ever be matched. I want to talk to you about a collision that's coming because it's coming uh this week. The Bears have been running fairly well over the last couple of weeks, largely in their zone scheme, largely outside zone with the addition of Khalil Herbert. But Tampa's got one of the most impenetrable interior defensive lines in football, if not the most impenetrable interior defensive line in football something's got to give. What do you think it's going to be?
0: Yeah. I I mean, I think what has to give is, is Chicago's got to get a little bit uncomfortable, right? And and the best teams do this to you. They make you get a little bit uncomfortable. And when I say that, I mean, you know, you're looking at a high run rate on early downs when it comes to the Chicago Bears, because that's kind of their bread and butter, right? I mean, they were, they were certainly feeding David Montgomery when that was the guy. And so the numbers are inflated because of that, but you know, that's been their tendency. And yet, we've seen that teams who have tried to do that in the past, they just they often cannot keep up. They just can't keep up with the Bucs' offense. And so I feel like you're going to have to take – a lot of teams are going to have to take a lot closer to, of an approach to what we saw with the Dallas Cowboys in week one where the Cowboys were in a lot of situations where they were constantly pushing the pace against Tampa. And, you know, having Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, obviously that gives you the ability to do that. But, you know, I, it's just – if Chicago is going to be comfortable, if Chicago goes into this game thinking we're going to play Chicago bears football, like we're going to do what we do best, they're going to lose. I mean, there's just, unless Tampa really shoots themselves in the foot, which they have a couple of times already this season, it's, it's probably not going to be close enough just because they're not going to have the pace of the game that you need to. And of course, you know, when you look at the teeth of that Buccaneers defense, you've got guys like uh, Vita Vea and Raheem Nunez Rochez and, Uh, Really good stoppers of the run on the outside with Shaq Bear and JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, for as much as they are touted as pass rushers, those guys are great against the run and give great effort there. And so even if you're running inside zone stuff, it's going to be hard to go with the teeth of that defense. Of course, when you run outside zone, that's why Tampa drafted Devin White. They drafted the guy to really counter those outside zone plays because he's got so much speed. Jordan Whitehead is a fast safety who can go sideline to sideline as well. He's a much more comfortable coming down towards the line of scrimmage, playing that strong safety role. And so they've got the guys to be able to do it. And and Tampa's team, this is not breaking news or anything, but they're built so well. And of course the reigning Super Bowl champions, it's a bit of a dub, but you know, that's why it's like, you look at teams that might have a preference, like, okay, we do this really well, but we don't really do the other stuff really well. Well, those are the teams that Tampa can often really exploit because they do a lot of things well, and they almost force you to play an uncomfortable game. And, I mean, it's going to be all on Justin Fields. It really is. It's going to be up to him, I think, with his arm. Because, I mean, you even saw last week when Tampa played against the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, not a ton of rushing yards. You know, he was able to scramble a little bit, get a little bit of space. And I think Justin Fields is a little bit better of an athlete than Jalen Hurts is. But he's going to have to win this one with his arm if Chicago is going to win this. And they have the receivers to do it, right? And Tampa's secondary is banged up. So I think that, you know, you talking about a collision course of the run game versus the run defense, that is going to be a little bit of a rock versus rock right there, but the where you where you can exploit Tampa is without a doubt in their secondary, especially with all these guys banged up. We saw last week with the Philadelphia Eagles. Sometimes the best strategy is just to chuck it deep and get the defensive pass interference penalty because uh, you know Ross Cockrell appeared uh, to see or you know was Richard Sherman before he got hurt. You know th- these guys are just they're inexperienced. They they can't really keep up as if they are starters, and so. I think that that's really the X factor area of, of where you're going to see if Chicago has got a chance to keep pace with Tampa, that's how they got to do it. I know it's not really in their comfort zone, but this game feels like it's going to be a uh, push you out of your comfort zone kind of game for the bears.
2: I mean, it's interesting that you say like that because honestly Chicago bears football with Justin Fields should be that play action, deep passing game. And it's not like he wants to run. He's a guy that's scrambling to try to throw. So you know, you say well, that they, they think they're going to come in here and play Chicago Bears football, and it's like, you know, EJ and I talk about this every week, and it's like they they don't know what that is yet. Like, they're still mm-hmm. trying to figure that out. And, yeah, they've had a little bit of success running, running the ball, and that's great. But that, you know, if they, if they think that Justin Fields is the guy to, you know, do Lamar Jackson stuff, that's not who he is. I mean, I'm sure he could do some of that stuff okay, but he's a guy that wants to throw the ball downfield. So if they can block it up, that is – the only way they're going to have a chance to do this because they're going to they're going to give up points in this game. You know, the, the Bears defense is going to give up points. So I don't know. I mean, from from your perspective, it, just kind of to follow up with that and, and a Justin Fields question, what have you seen so far about Justin Fields that's impressed you? And, and what do you think he needs to work on, uh,
0: you know, in the future? Yeah, such a great physical talent, right? I mean, I, I love this dude coming out of the draft. I gave him a franchise tag label. Uh, I had three franchise quarterbacks that label coming out of the draft. I thought Trevor Lawrence got a franchise tag grade for me. Um, Zach Wilson got that grade as well. And then Justin Fields did too. And he's just, it's so impressive, everything that he can bring to the table and everything that he could bring to an offense. And I thought it was an interesting point, kind of as we've seen some Matt Nagy game plans for him that have worked and uh, some that have not. And – you know, when you look at when you look at Justin Fields' last year at Ohio State, he held on to the ball a lot. And I, I think it was because he 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 wants to prove that he's a passer, right? And I yeah. think that you know he, he hears that narrative about him, you know, while he was at Georgia and when he was at Ohio State. Okay, this is a running quarterback, a running quarterback. And I think Justin Fields has really been like, no, I'm not. Like I'm a pa- I'm a quarterback who also brings you that weapon with his legs, with that mobility. And so I feel as though we saw that in his last year at Ohio State, and it got him in trouble a little bit. And then we saw during the preseason, you know, he had one of the highest uh, time to throw averages that that we we saw throughout the entire preseason. And I think that it was because Fields so badly wants to be a passing quarterback. He does not want this narrative around him that he is just a rusher, that he only has, that he is only an asset to this team with his legs. And over the last couple of games, you know, you ask what he can do better. I think he can do a little bit better of – admitting that his legs are an incredible weapon of what he brings to the table. And I think it's going to be that marriage of not just using your legs for escapability, but also using it just as a straight up weapon. We, we, you know, he, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson. Of course, very few are, I'd say that Lamar Jackson's basically playing the best ball out of any quarterback in the NFL right now. So you don't want to compare anybody to, to Lamar Jackson, but, I feel as though Justin Fields can bring that those same sorts of elements to the table. Maybe not to the highest degree, especially of running the football that Jackson does, but I really do. I look at an empty canvas when you look at Justin Fields, and I think that it's all there for him. What he needs to figure out, and really, I think for Bears fans, if they're honest with themselves, what this year really is for Justin Fields is him testing out what works and what doesn't when I need to pass, when I need to run, that kind of learning thing. And you just want the rest of this year to be good signs, encouragement. You can hit the ground running next season, and really start to compete for a division title.
2: Yeah, we've been, I mean, that's exactly what we've been saying all year back in august back in july so i'm, I'm it's always good You're to hear good, that I'm in good company then That's yeah good. it's good to hear that reiterated because uh you know it's nice it's one thing for ej and us and i just say it all the time but it's nice to have a guest say that um i, I have to talk about bruce arians because i think he's the most interesting man in football like i mean i I mean Gardner you maybe, but like Bruce Arians, man. Like I mean, I read his book, The Quarterback Whisper. I've probably mentioned it on this show like a half a dozen times. He talks about eating paint chips or whatever the heck he was talking about. I mean, it is like he's he's wild. Like he is a wild guy. Yeah, but he's also incredibly progressive. Uh, you know, you know Byron Leftwich. Uh, Todd Bowles, like he he stands by those guys. He has removed his ego, you know. Talking about the you know, hey, that's all. That's all Byron, you know. That's all Byron that does that. Right. That's not me. I just I'm just here, right? You hear him in interviews all the time. He brought on a female assistant coach, Lori Locust, to to help out with uh, the defensive line, and 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 so he's he's really on the the bleeding edge in a lot of ways. And this is a guy that got his first head coaching job late. Famously, the Bears passed over him for mark trussman god help us and you know he, <laughs> went, he went down to to arizona and and had a good run there and he's on his second team but it just seems like he maybe appreciates it in a different way because it took him so long to get there or he's playing with house money or i don't know what it is like can you give any insight into this guy and and what he brings to to tampa bay
0: yeah Bruce is is different um in a In a business, in a football industry that is so driven by pride and egos, um, Bruce continually puts his pride aside for a lot of things. And I think that pride has been the main culprit of a lot of what goes wrong with a lot of coaches, whether it's offensive and defensive coordinators or head coaches or whatever it is. Pride is good. You want to have pride in your job, but Hard headedness, stubbornness in pride, having too much of an ego in things can also be the kiss of death in a lot of instances, because, you know, you look at situations where th- these guys don't make it to the top for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, th- like th- these people who become head coaches in the NFL, there's 32 of these jobs in the world. You don't just luck into this. You're 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 good with people. You're you're good at your craft. You succeeded at every level that's gotten you there. You are smart. You know the game. You know things well. And yet we see all the time failed adjustments. Not a, not going forward on 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 a, for a certain situation. Not being able to change how you used to do something 5 years ago. Whatever it is gets in the way of you actually achieving maybe what your wisdom and your knowledge and what got you there was able to do. Bruce is different, and I can't speak to what he was like during his time in Indianapolis or in Pittsburgh or the Arizona Cardinals, but I was at his press conference when he was introduced. I was still working for Peter Report at the time covering the Buccaneers, and the way he talked was just different, and it just gave you this this confidence about his words that Yeah, everything was going to be all right. Like, we got a plan. Everything's going to come together. And and I'll tell you guys, when he hired Byron Leftwich to be his offense coordinator, the Tampa media lit him up for it. They're like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? What are you doing? You're getting this guy. This guy doesn't even want to be here. Byron Leftwich told us at his introductory press conference, Bruce had to drag him off the golf course. He was enjoying (laughs) retirement. And so when Byron struggled, over the course of that first year when he did not look in rhythm he did not look good as an offensive coordinator we as the media the local tampa media were like what is bruce doing has he gone has he is he simply here in tampa to cash a check because we thought that the buccaneers were hiring bruce Arians not just to be head coach but to be offensive play caller as well and he said from the very beginning i'm not calling plays and we we're like, "What are you talking about? You're not play. That's the whole reason you're here. The offense is sucked. Jameis Winston needed needed saving. You were supposed to be the guy for that. And Byron struggled early on, and we gave him his criticism when we said Bruce is just cashing a check. He's just he's just an old guy who's just sitting there wanting to get wanting to get out of the broadcast booth and put the head put put the headset back on. And now here we are. Todd Bowles is an incredible defensive coordinator. The position coaches in Tampa Bay are, are just incredible at their job. Byron's becoming one of the, one of the best young offensive play callers in the league. And what Bruce is right now is so different than any head coach role I've ever seen where he is truly just kind of the guy at the top who organizes stuff. And at the beginning, we thought that was laziness. And now we see that, it's actually a really great strategy when you hire the right people under you and let them do the job that they were hired to do and have confidence in them the whole way. And man, it's just, it, it is a totally different type of staff that than, than I've ever been around that I've ever covered. Uh, he's a, He is a unique individual in, in so many different ways. And I think that his unique approach to Head coaching to approaching his players and everything like that. That's why Tom Brady is here. That's why these free agents come here. That's why everybody wants to sign one year deals to play for the Bucks. It's not just to win Super Bowls. You could sign a one year deal with the Packers and maybe win a Super Bowl. You could sign a one year deal with the Rams or the or the or the Baltimore Ravens or the Buffalo Bills. You could sign with any of those teams and win a, maybe win a Super Bowl. But pe- but these guys come to Tampa because of Bruce. And it just—it's—it's it's turning out to be everything about this Bucks. I don't want to call it a dynasty yet. They've had one good year, but everything—everything <laughs> everything about this Bucks success era. It, okay, that's a better word. This Bucks successful era is kind of this perfect storm. Whether it's the coaching staff, or players coming in, or what Jason Light's done in the the, the general manager, what he's done behind the scenes—it's just all coming together, and that's why you're seeing success. Yeah, Bruce seems to me
1: like, and this is a term that's usually used uh, to degrade somebody, but he seems like the ultimate enabler. And I mean, the good enabler, right? He brings people in and he enables them. He says, no, this is what you're here to do. Yep. I will create a shell. You operate within it. Do what I ask you to do and and we'll be better because of it. And. That's not typically how enabler is used, but in this case, I think it
0: applies. So, he believes in people. And and I think that sure. I think that you see that on the in the you see that in the coaching room and it's and it's you see it on the practice field and that's what you get on game days. You get the product of instilling confidence in everyone who has anything to do with that team. And that's what I think Bruce does best. Yeah, he's
1: tremendous at it. So we can't let you off the hook without asking you about Antoine Winfield Jr. Because we are on record as an Antoine Winfield Jr. Stan podcast. Uh, I famously, during our first draft live stream at bootleg, was pounding the table for him instead of Cole Kmet. Because, yes, he was there. And the Bears could have had him and Jalen Johnson. Just saying. Anyways, Antoine Winfield Jr. coming back from concussion protocol. He's been out for weeks. Uh, Did make it back to practice this week. But even more than that, the the sort of micro question is: What does it mean for Tampa if he gets back in the game? But more so, where do you see Antoine Winfield Jr. right now as a player? Is he a you know is he ahead of the curve as a developing young player? Is he leveling off? Like, what's your take overall on Antoine Winfield Jr. micro and macro?
0: Uh, the who we could have drafted game is one. Oh, of isn't the it fun? The most <laughs> dangerous games any fan can play. Uh, Winfield Jr. is awesome. Love the pick on draft night. Uh, loved him when I was scouting him coming out of Minnesota. He's just so smart, and and as you would expect with the last name Winfield Jr. from a guy who played 14 years in the NFL, you can tell that him and his dad have worked on this 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 craft, this position, this this what what he is now as a player for so long. And he is so far ahead of the curve. And the reason why he was able to play so well as a rookie is because he already knew a lot of stuff, right? Normally, guys come into the NFL and Okay they're, they're they're learning the complexities of a bigger playbook for the first time they're having to make defensive adjustments it's it's a lot more about chemistry a lot less about solo talent like it can be in college football um you know you're you're managing uh you're managing your life off the field as well you're becoming a uh often you are becoming a young man who is who is independent for the first time really and so all of these things go into it and 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 Antoine Jr. I mean you could tell he's just he, he was ready for it. He was prepared for it. He had people in his corner telling him exactly what it was going to be like, how he was going to feel when he moved down to Tampa, a, a new place with a new team for the first time. He knew his assignment right when he got on the field. And it was great to see him succeed as a rookie. Uh, and it's, it's great to see him succeed now. I mean, he is a major part of that secondary on the back end. He's very versatile. As you guys know, he's a guy who can play downhill and make tackles, and make sacks behind the line of scrimmage. But he can also play that cover one role. He, he's so good. He's so instinctual. He can read the quarterback's eyes, and he gives you a lot of that experienced play that is rare for a guy who is just in his second year in the league. So I loved him coming out. He was one of my favorite players. Um, I think he's obviously in a great space in Tampa uh, with as versatile as Todd Bowles' defense is, especially on the back end. And so he's part of the three man rotation. It's him. It's Mike Edwards. It's Jordan Whitehead. And. They've got different roles that they play, and and it's it's coming to a lot of success. They have a lot of chemistry together, and Winfield Jr. If you ask me, I think that he's definitely the forefront of that.
2: Yep, yeah, that would have uh, been would have been cool, would <laughs> have been fun. We talked about it a lot in the lead up to the draft. But that was a guy that we would really like to have seen in Chicago, but it is what it is. Um, he's so, he's, he's you know. hard
0: not to love. I mean, when you watch his tape in Minnesota and you knew of his background and everything, it was uh, you. You guys were not the only team, the only fan base that uh, that wanted it.
2: So, you know, it's a team that won the Super Bowl and they're still really good. They're playing a lot of primetime games. So, I think Bears fans that are listening to this that also watch the league probably know a lot of players, but is there a a guy that you don't think's getting enough buzz that, you know, we could put a little shine on here that Bears fans could uh, watch out for uh, on Sunday?
0: I mentioned one of them right there. I think that Mike Edwards is kind of an, an unsung hero of, of, of the Bucks' defense. He's often the last talked about guy because Jordan Whitehead's always flying and making tackles at the line of scrimmage, and Antoine Winfield Jr. is the guy that I think gets a lot of pub. But uh, Mike Edwards plays plenty, and, and he plays really, really well. And so I think that uh, he's been a really big presence for this team. I'll also say the offensive line. You know, I think that everybody focuses on Ryan Jensen because he's a badass at center, and Ali Marpet because everybody knows his name, but you know, Donovan Smith, the left tackle in Tampa, he struggled for, for a while, you know, like he, his first three years in the league were, were, were not pretty. I mean, like they weren't the worst, but they weren't exactly what you wanted out of a franchise left tackle. And his fourth year was a little bit better. Fifth year, obviously th- th- this last year um, th- that he was playing for that Super Bowl caliber team, he has elevated his play as the rest of this offense uh, has elevated theirs. And so I just, on the on defensive side, I think Mike Edwards is somebody that I'd shout out who doesn't get a lot of praise. And then, Donovan Smith's a guy who took a lot of flack early on in his career and now obviously is playing left tackle for a Super Bowl caliber offensive line. And I think that it is worth now praising him for that improvement, for how well he has played over the last two years, given the amount of flack he really caught early on in his career.
2: Awesome. Well, we're going to move to the speed round, which we've been trying out here in the last few weeks. So, okay. you know, take take a instant reaction, you know, just kind of fire these off. But these first couple of questions are EJ's uh, special. So I'm going to let EJ ask these first two.
1: Yeah, these are uh, uh, we, we go fun here. That's what we're we're skewing for in the speed okay. round. OK, you have to watch one commercial a
0: hundred times in a row.
1: Tom or Gronk?
0: Oh god. Well I I feel like I feel like I've seen the 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 Gronkowski USAA insurance course. I think I I've, I've seen that 100 times already. So I I feel like it's not even a this or that. I think I've seen that one so many times. I guess the Brady one because Brady like I think everybody already thinks Gronkowski's funny. Like he does the weird wacky stuff and you think he's funny. Brady now being funny is something nobody saw coming. Like nobody thought that Brady was going to be this cool personality that made you laugh, and so I'll go Brady. I think the subway commercials and all that is pretty funny, so I'll go Brady. That's cool. I'll blame it on the tequila, and and that'll be a good
1: thing. But uh, <laughs> I actually, when I wrote that question, I thought, well, isn't that like every NFL Sunday, anyways? Yeah, right. yeah, it's pretty
2: pretty <laughs> much. We're all we're all living that life. All
1: right, so you've got a rule about eating barbecue. Many people know this about you: three sides
0: minimum. Yes.
1: Speed round. <laughs> top five favorite barbecue sides.
0: Oh, five. Okay. Uh, the three I always go for when people ask me the three. Mac and cheese, baked beans, collard greens. Those are always my go-to. That's the top three. I'm i am a coleslaw guy. I don't hate coleslaw. Okay. Coleslaw is in there for me. And then I think maybe I get a little bit of sweets in there. Maybe I'll go banana pudding. Maybe I go banana pudding. Oh, yeah. I mean so, yeah. so I'll, I'll go okay. banana pudding for the, for that fifth one. I'm all normally right. not a big sweets guy, but with barbecue, I mean we got so much salt going in all everything else. Let's get a little banana pudding in there. Yeah, I
2: mean if they've got banana pudding, I'm 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 ordering that. That's absolutely yeah. <laughs> hard to go. I mean, because that doesn't always happen. It's not it's not True. on every menu. A lot of times you get like the
0: baked and, apples or whatever. And, and the point of three sides minimum is when you go to a barbecue place you often are getting family recipes somewhere. I think that often comes in sides. And so when you see banana pudding, there's a good chance it's a family recipe or a damn good recipe and it would be worth
2: ordering. 100%. I'm with you. All right. We love uniforms. Uh, EJ and I both love that. What are your thoughts on the throwback, the creamsicle
0: throwback uniforms? Can I ask you guys what you think of them before I answer? You guys like the cream creamsicles? I like seeing them. Uh,
1: I'm I'm a fan of the color scheme. I'm not a fan of the logo, and I know that's going to draw me a lot of hate in Tampa Bay, but I love <laughs> the color scheme. I'm not wild about the, uh, we'll just call him the pirate. On the well, helmet. He's got a name. Bucko Bruce, baby. Yeah, Bucko Bruce. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not a huge Bucko Bruce fan, but I actually like the gradation of the color scheme. So I'll half and half, I guess.
0: I love them. Give me the creamsicles. (laughs) So Tampa has not been able to wear their creamsicles for years since the NFL put in that rule that you can't change helmets. So so the Buccaneers have not been able to wear the creamsicles since like, oh man, 2013, 2014. And I think next year they get to wear them. They're coming. Because the
1: Seahawks get to wear their silvers too. Yeah, there we go. Those those two, like, creamsicles and the seahawks
2: silvers like give me those and yeah. we're good yeah i mean it's it's all about selling more you uni- you know more jerseys 100%. right i mean that's what it is it's it's open up more revenue streams but even i i want to see more helmets too i mean the bears helmet history is not Particularly that fascinating, but no. the the thirty six throwbacks that they just wore, they had the, the orange the, stripes, like the Michigan stripes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, those are really cool, and that you know that's like the only cool helmet throwback that 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 the Bears really have to boast about. But the pirate ship that is at the stadium, yes. there's uh, cannons. Have you participated in firing said cannons? I I have never. That that would be. That how how like, does
0: one do that? It's, um, like, one is Kay Adams. Actually, yeah, <laughs> well, okay. it's, I, I think it's, you've got to either be like a celebrity or a special guest. Or often, uh, Tampa's a big military town. McDill Air Force Base is in Tampa. And so mm-hmm. like, often they'll get um, like a military veteran to fire the cannon or ring the bell or whatever it is. And so, no, I have never been able to fire the cannon. I hope that I get big enough in my career. To okay. maybe one day be invited back to fire the cannon. So follow-up question. Tampa Bay calls you
1: up and says, We're doing a fundraiser. We'll let you fire the cannons. What will you pay to
0: fire the cannons? Oh wow. Is it just like am I am I firing the cannon and then just like going back to my normal seat, or is it like a full game day experience?
1: Uh I'm saying you get to fire the cannons the first time they score in the game. Oh
0: wow. Okay, um, I'd shell out. I'd shell out a couple hundred bucks for that. I'd shell. I think. I think. Don't bowl us over, (laughs) Travis. Couple (laughs) hundred bucks. Wow, parking ticket. All right, we'll get. Well, that's fair. Hey, listen, I've uh, I haven't paid for bucks tickets in a long time because I was normally in the uh, I was normally in the press box. I don't think I'd go like a thousand, but. right. seven fifty. I feel like an auctioneer
1: so much. I have 600
0: 600
1: 600. I love this. This is, great. It. this is great. All
0: right, for 750 I get three Cannon blasts. You give me three, right. give me three and we'll do 750. But
1: same thing. You said 250 when you started, you get <laughs> 250
0: per. So,
1: you know, you win. Now, either way. Uh it's fantastic, Trevor. Great stuff. Thanks so much for making time for us. How's your bourbon? We always we always round back to the
0: drinks. Wonderful. Four Roses single barrel. This is this Go is get thing. some It is
1: you were an you're an automatic fan of the you were automatically accepted into the pod family when you said four roses when you said single barrel you were a repeat guest yeah
2: you became my friend there
0: (laughs) we go
1: I love it I love it JB how about you uh
2: yeah so Trevor missed this part but I actually brought on a non alcoholic beer tonight from Athletic (laughs) Brewing Company and uh, I I yeah I liked it I mean it tastes like beer and obviously no alcohol so you know it's it, it. it's a it's a nice thing to have in the fridge, I think, and and I, I think I'll drink that whole six pack, no problem. Not tonight. <laughs> not <laughs> well, well, you know, sense. you could, but it's through, not you know, if you, if you if wanted, wanted to, to yeah, I yeah. could, and I'd just be up all night, you know, going to the bathroom. I, oh, I assume, there you go. But, but uh, that. yeah, no, I I I'm, appreciate what they're doing. They were super nice. Um, you know, I I'd, I'd recommend trying them out. Really cool. Well, I got the
1: lucky double tonight. Uh, lucky envelope brewing peanut butter cream stout brought this on kind of as a joke because uh trevor you may not know this but i always tease jb about uh drinking beers that i think he should eat with a spoon um so i said for halloween i was gonna go as jb so i got a jb beer but lo and behold it turned out to be damn good uh this is brewed right up in seattle this is wonderful stuff and i am not at all sad that i have three more of these uh they're 16 ounces um six percent by volume and extremely drinkable great balanced flavor Um, again haven't tried anything from lucky envelope brewing this is my first i'll definitely be looking for their other offerings uh they're local and they're awesome so um not not often you get the daily double on a new beer and a new brewery, but um, fantastic stuff.
0: There, there is a brewery in Charlotte, North Carolina, because I, I I just moved up to Cincinnati because BFF's headquarters are in Cincinnati, but I just moved over here from Charlotte. There's a brewery called Salute in Charlotte, and they have a PB and J beer. That is, that's I that's was, all. That's all, JB. I was so <laughs> skeptical about it at first. I was like, "There's no way this is good." it was phenomenal it was one of the best beers we <laughs> ever had it was it was so good i couldn't believe it
1: friend of the pod for life at this point trevor four <laughs> roses single barrel
2: and pb and j beer you you got it all covered
0: there we go hitting all the bases
2: well appreciate the time trevor we'll get out of here you guys thanks for listening thanks for joining us uh check out our youtube page as we're putting all these up on there you know give us a subscribe give us a like hit bells and whatever other things you're supposed to say on the YouTube thing. Uh, And until next week, bear down.